Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Yeah, look, I'm not not too bad. Um, results for my lot, for the A-League team going pretty well. Uh, yeah, yeah a, I saw that last a, night. A, yeah, uh, a, a, an in, interesting, event-filled uh, game on the weekend against, against Huddersfield. Um, but, I mean... Overall, I'm not too disappointed with the result, probably. Yeah. I mean, we talked, we were sort of hopeful. I think we tipped, did we tip like a draw or something? We are hopeful of something. And it ended up probably a lot closer than a lot of people, a lot of people would have suspected going into it. And then with, you know, the first of the interesting decisions, I think, was um, like, it's not, not contentious at all, but Eves is red card to get sent off and leave us with 10 men for the majority of the game. Um, which, which, which football game was it? Like it was like FIFA 97 or whatever it was. The one where you, if you ran away from the referee, you didn't get the yellow card. So you just keep running oh, around the yeah, pitch. And I'm like 97 or 98 or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just reminded me of that. Cause as soon as he did it, it was, it was a clear as day yellow card and he just tries to run away. And it's just like, mate, the ref's going to drag you down. You can't just yeah. get away from it. Both both of those tackles were so dumb and so unnecessary. Like one, they're playing it out of their back line, um, and it, it's not like the team was pressing or anything. He he just ran across to try and do something and then slid in for I don't even know why. And then the second one, he had another player right, like Fleming was right next to him, I think, yeah. like ready to and. And he took him and out he, from behind, and you just go and, like, "Why?" And he had a few niggles at it, like he was sort of keeping pace mm. with the Huddersfield player. And then it was almost as if he was just like, "Oh, he's got me beat. I'll just take him down." And it's like, just, just let him go. Like, yeah, he's, he's he's running down the wing. It's not like he's running into the box one on one with the keeper or something. But mm. yeah, um, an interesting one. Um, as you said, I guess last week we were saying sort of half-jokingly, half-seriously, oh, it's a home game, just chalk it up as another 2-0 defeat. So I guess a 1-0 defeat in the circumstance is not too bad, but um, we'll talk about some of the controversial uh, talking points, I suppose, from the referee's point of view. Um, I guess firstly, though, on our performance, um, I think off the top of my head, was it no changes from the previous? Oh, no, I think it was, was it Fleming in for Elder, I think, and... um, We got two out of the four that we picked. That's right, and it was Doherty in for Slater, wasn't it? Uh, or or the other way was it? Or the other around was, was it? Slater, yeah, Slater, 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 I think to start, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. came on later. Yeah. So it was the two out of the four because it was Elia didn't start, and what was the other one we were saying? Uh, Baxter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So two two two, two changes to the side. Um, probably had our best chance reasonably early in the game. That Lewis Potter free kick that um, was I think our only shot on target. Um, you know, an out of sorts Huddersfield side. So they were, you know, in those early stages, it did feel like they were there for the taking. We had our chances, but um, as the title of this episode suggests, I feel like we're just kind of running out of ideas as as we get towards the end of the season. Yeah, look, it was, it was, it was sort of one of those games where I think if if KLP if that free kick had gone in, I think it becomes like a very, very different ball game. Um, yeah. You know, I guess like goals always change games, but 
it just, as you sort of say, felt like early on we had him on the back foot and, you know, that goal would have like just kept us, kept us with momentum and sort of probably and like allowed us to keep pushing, but they were able to, you know, they got a great save from, from Nichols, their keeper um, to, to keep that one out. And then they were just able to then work themselves into the game, unfortunately um, helped by a few, you know, silly free kicks that we gave away. Um, and, but Look, I I think overall, like, I'm not too disappointed. Like, you know, we played with 10 men for a long, long time. And we actually, yeah, we're under the pump. Um, but we were, deter- like, holding them out f- bar one or two uh, clear sort of chances. Um, a couple of really good saves from Ingram. Uh, one in when the player was the volley in the box yeah, the half yeah. it was that the that might be the same one i'm thinking of where he was through on goal and ingram just made himself really big and um stopped the yeah shot. so it like, was really it, it can't yeah the cross came in and i think it went over everyone's head and he took the took the touch and then sort of half volleyed it and sort of bounced it but ingram got himself big enough to get to get contact and then they were able to keep it out um and then the other one was uh bounced out and the, the guy hit it bottom corner and Ingram hadn't almost would have had no chance to see that before it was probably just about in the bottom of the goal and, and got down really smartly to push that, I think onto the post and then out, but you know, a couple of really good saves, but overall for the, for the balance, I think we defended fairly well, like to keep mm. them out for so long with, with 10. Um, it was somewhat reminiscent of, uh, the the Bournemouth the one nil against Bournemouth where we just yep. dug in and dug in and dug in and a lot of it wasn't pretty but um, you know there was a there was a period where I was going like you know the longer this goes the longer they don't like get something if we can keep them out and keep them out then you sort of go on that that last you know five minutes or whatever where it ended up we had a really strong chance to finish off and so we could have leveled it but yeah i was gonna say i mean I, I i sort of said the lowest spot of the chance is our best chance but that elia chance right at the end as well um you know it's his chance as the commentator i think said it was his chance to make himself a hero and um get a point for us but um great to see him getting into that position i guess yeah look i think he was um, it was a little bit brighter, I think, this time coming on. He tried to get himself involved. He was obviously in the right spot for that chance and just, uh, don't know, fluffed his lines. I don't know how mm. you want to like put it. Like, I mean, it was he did all of the right things except oh, like get it on target. Like it was a perfect, yeah. exactly what you want to do. Head it down in that position and, and yeah. like towards the corner and. Yeah, I've got no criticism. Wrong a tiny little bit. So yeah, I've got no criticism of that sort of chance because. Uh, sort of unlike some of Marcus Forces in misses, for instance, where it just felt like he just didn't have his body in the right position and, and mm. was hitting quite tame efforts across goal. This one, I'm like, you know, he, he's in the right position. He knows where to, he, he knows where to lead. He knows where the space is. Um, and I think that sort of chance, I actually give him confidence so, as sort of counterintuitive as that is, because I think he's taken so long to get into the rhythm of games. And as you say, he seemed much brighter in this one to finally start to be getting those sorts of chances I think will definitely help him gel in the side. You know, I think um, Shoda was saying he needs more game time over the last few games of the season. And I think presumably with Eves's red card now, maybe he'll get the chance either to lead the line or, or maybe as a striker off um, force, if force is fit enough to start as well. 
um, be really interesting to see what he can do. Mm, um, look, I don't, not that I want to get too far like ahead, but I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be surprised if without like a, a, a decent number nine option available that we maybe even would think about changing that system a little bit to maybe play two up top, whether that's yeah. like, you know, some like even if it was KLP and, you know, Aliar with then I think like Williams is fit again, even him like to come in as one of the, a wider option or something would be. Um, I, I saw his name in an article the other day and I was like, I'd forgotten he existed. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause he, he, and another one who just started to like really yeah. come good and really show what he could do. And then had that knee injury that's kept him out for a long, long time. But, and he's yeah, just, I right. think coming back into training and fitness and just about ready to, to, to go maybe, but. I don't know. I guess, yeah, it depends if, you know, what's going on with Force and Smith and, and those other striker options we have. But I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a two up two up top or something, just a slight change in, in the system to, to suit who's available. Because I don't yeah. think really anyone, and not that Eves is great, although I do like him most of the time. I'm upset with him at the moment. But I think none of our other options really fill that number nine role as well no. as he does in terms of their physicality, in terms of like... Not as a lone striker. We all, yeah. yeah, we all know like his, you know, the goal scoring records and whatnot are not great. But I think in terms of his general play, I think Eves is the best option we have for that, yeah, num- number nine lone striker. Um, I suppose at some point we have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is Jacob Greaves's arms. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to come to that now. We can talk about the... Um... The, uh, the sort of fortuitous decisions that we got from the referee. And um, we do need to, I think, as as a collective group of Hull City supporters, we do have to somewhat bookmark occasions such as this to just remind ourselves when the luck goes against us. Mm. We do actually get quite fortunate on occasion too. I mean, there's the Reading game earlier. There's the Birmingham game, I think there was. And then this one as well. And it looked like it was going the same way for a long time because we had, was it two different um, handball penalties turned down on Greaves as well as the smallwood yeah. tackle, or was it? Yeah, I think so. so yeah, like yeah. So, so potentially three different occasions. I mean, that first one, especially from Greaves, I think he was very lucky to get away with the smallwood one as well. I feel like just watching it live, it just looked like a penalty. I was just very surprised that they ended up calling that as the free kick that it wasn't, um, but got very fortunate with each of them. Yeah, look, it was there was there the. The refereeing, I think for the balance, was okay. I'm not super critical of him in the grand scheme of the game. I think like in terms of most of the bookings and things, he handled that well and, and kept mostly on top of the game. But there was there were like three or four of those key moments where you just went, what the hell is this guy doing? And the, 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 the one first... that really got me, sorry, just sorry to interrupt, just speaking about the timing of bookings and stuff, was it, it was that incident with Fleming. Was, I think it was Fleming and um, the uh, Huddersfield yeah. player where he got body checked and it just looked, it was a clear foul and a clear yellow card as well. And the referee seemed to just indicate play on, at which point Fleming and the Huddersfield player squared up. And then I think they ended up both getting a yellow card, but then we ended up getting the free kick. So I was like, was he playing advantage? It was just a really weird situation. Mm. Where I'm like, if, if he's blown the whistle straight away and given the yellow, Fleming doesn't get booked because he doesn't remonstrate. Um, yeah. that, 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 that was probably I, just about uh, the only incident that I could think yeah, of. Yeah, I kind of forgot. I somehow I forgot about that because it wasn't in the highlights package that I watched, mm. but maybe I was watching the Huddersfield highlights. I don't know. They wanted to keep that one out, <laughs> out, out of view. But 
Yeah, right. That, I forgot about that. But I think, um, like, as you sort of say, it's, it is all swings and roundabouts. And, like, we got lucky with, uh, you know, Greaves' diving arm to push the ball wide. We got unlucky with their goal, which for me was offside anyway, um, off that free kick. You know, we got lucky in some places and unlucky in others. Um, but I think I, I think if, loss is fairly uh, palatable in the grand yeah, scheme of things. I think if it had been a draw, Huddersfield fans would have been pretty right to be aggrieved at the missed penalties. Mm. And I think the fact that it ended 1-0 in their favour means that those missed calls aren't as sort of contentious or as fixated on. Um, so I think, as you say, I think is, pretty pretty happy with the balance of it. But is that, I guess this is not necessarily what we want to be talking about, but is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, because yeah. to say like that, yeah. okay, like, you know, the game wins 1-0 and Huddersfield Town don't make a big scene about it, but that means that that referee, sure, there's going to be a review, but a lot of these things maybe aren't taken as seriously. Yeah. Like, as, you know, if Huddersfield, if it ends a nil or draw, and there are three, two or three, like really clear, like they're going to go straight to the referees. They're going to be, you know, putting in a formal complaint, all this sort of stuff that they're probably not necessarily going to do now that they've ended up with the three points anyway. Yeah. So, and, and like, I think you want you want the standard of refereeing to be as high as it can, so that you know you're getting those consistent uh, like calls across all all your ma- all matches and and across the league. And sometimes, I guess, like that little bit of luck that goes to it for you know in this case Huddersfield to win maybe means that some of those questions don't get asked as uh as much as they need to be afterwards no for sure and I think I can't remember if we discussed it on the podcast or just in the chat um the prospect of a VAR light being introduced in the championship I suspect would probably be used for that sort of incident um which I know a lot of people aren't going to like it um I think I think when it comes to what is a clear and obvious error and what it intervenes on needs to be much tighter than it has been so far in the Premier League. But I think there is an element of very, very obvious decisions that are incorrect in the championship, at least, that are missed. Um, the handballs, for instance, um, there's been a number of cases, throughout, you know, penalties that we should have received that we've missed where the refs either thought it was a dive or whatever. Um that should be should be awarded, and I think if you set the threshold high enough, I don't want to get into too lengthy a debate on the, the merits of VAR, but I think if you set the threshold high enough that it's you know just the really obvious things, and I know that's never really going to be a case because there'll always be an element of grey. There is a there is a threshold of of incidents that are missed in the Championship more so than the Premier League because it's just a matter of fact that the Championship has a poorer quality of referee. Um, it could decide a playoff place or a relegation place or a promotion place. And and it, as you say, you know, yes, the result went in their favour, but that shouldn't mean that those incidents aren't addressed and reviewed. Mm. I think, um, as you say, I think the VAR so far across whatever leagues has been implemented in around the world and in internationals, and it's been fairly like, seems like it's a fairly loose interpretation of like where they can step in and what they can overturn. And, and if there was like, I think there just needs to be, and it's a process, it's still fairly new technology and a fairly new system that there needs to be this process of then tightening those protocols and those uh, areas of, you know, intervention so that we can have, so that can become a tool that isn't detracting from the spectacle that is football, because especially in the A-League, 
at times this year it's been like it's been horrendous watching like you know five minute reviews on things that everyone can see that it like should or shouldn't be in the first 30 seconds yeah and sometimes i feel like and like obviously if it like and again we don't want to get too much into this but like the the, the ruling the the terminology of clear and obvious error means like that they can should be able to put a time limit on how long a like a ref can go to the sideline and, and view footage because if you can't like look like you know after reviewing uh, footage for thirty seconds or a minute, say that you don't know whether it's right or wrong, well then it's not clear and obvious. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's right. Well, anywho. Um, um, the other element of this, of course, is it six losses in a row at home, which I think equals our longest record of uh, losses at home. Um, I actually haven't looked at the fixture to see who our next opponent at home is. I have a feeling it's that Cardiff game, um, which is probably our best chance at breaking that streak. But um, do you make anything of it? Is it is it nothing that, you know, matters too much just because of the time of the season? Is it, you know, still a concern about Shotter's abilities to get the players motivated at home? Uh, what, 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 what do you think it is? I don't know. It's, it is, it's a concern. It is a concerning uh, figure. Uh Six losses in a row in any context um, is concerning. Sure, there are obviously, you know, the away games between maybe and some of those results upset it. But yeah, six losses in a row is concerning because I think every team sets out with every season to, you know, make their home ground a fortress. So, you know, they would have walked out at the beginning of the season and said, we're going to make MKM a fortress. We don't want to give away points here, yada, yada. And it hasn't worked out that way at all. Um, and I think the only way to, I mean, you just we just need to jag a win somewhere at, at home in one of these remaining games to to try and start shifting that because I think like I don't know yeah I don't really know what the exact reasoning behind our such poor home form is whether it's just a like a weird the the crowdless like hangover like you know we all of last our season winning league one and no fans in and we had a strong home record and everything you know sure we could lower division we could opponents but you've still just got to play who's in front of you so i and i i wonder whether it's a weird sort of hangover of of that where there's we've had you know no fans in and then when they came back there was they weren't necessarily super supportive because of the old regime at the club and so perhaps like when they when fans did return it wasn't the best like environment at the stadium, perhaps. I don't know. I wasn't, I'm not there. I'm just trying to like spitball some yeah. possibilities, but, um, and maybe it's just sort of, of that. But I think um, just even listening to some of the talk about from uh, Rodwell about even like the West Upper and things that he's comments that he's made, like, and saying that Ajun pretty much just wants to, like he would just open the gates. Apparently, he said he would just open the gates and, and take the hit and let people, let everyone just to fill the stadium. Um, and they've had to sort of like talk him out of that and say like, but you know, you, you got to still make, you got to be able to cover your costs. And yeah. He said like something crazy, like even just to, because um, everyone's begging to have the West Upper open, but they said like, how much was it? Like was it? Three, Three, three grand pounds or something, or something. something yeah. yeah crazy just to have it cleaned afterwards and so you go okay well i can like it, it's one of those things like and they're saying we just need more people and yeah. if like if you can get that that he's the extra couple of hundred or that extra you know extra thousand into to fill or to be able to open that section you know maybe that's just 
the the net the, the other little pocket of noise or whatever that we need or I don't know but I do think it is it's something that we do need to turn around particularly heading in for like moving into the new season and, and into next year uh, or next season because you know that's got to be the target again is to set MKM as as a fortress and not give away easy points there yeah no that's right um well yeah we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that those those comments from um Jim Rodwell, as well as the the upcoming Q and A from Ajun in a second. But how about we, we'll do the MVP votes first, and then we'll uh, move on from the game. Um, I, I find this one really tough to score again. I find these sorts of performances where it's a loss to nil quite difficult to score. Um, I've gone KLP for the three votes just because he had the bright chances early on and and, and looked one of our more attacking players through the game. Once the once the red card happened, it was it was pretty difficult to to um, see too much attacking intent from the side. Um, so I kind of struggled beyond that. But um, Saeed Manesh for the the two votes I gave him because, again, he, he looked really bright when he came on and he started to improve a lot in his recent performances. And, and I'm really hoping he can get a start soon and uh, get a chance to impress. Um, and then one vote for Ingram. We sort of talked there about um, a couple of the big saves that he made at nil-nil to, to keep us in the game. And, and I thought he was really impressive again. And... It's interesting. He, he's had some comments in the press during the week about, you know, wanting to stay at the club, wanting a new contract, all that sort of thing. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks or months uh, on the contract page for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I there's something else I don't know. I just saw the headline. I don't know the context, but where he was super thankful for some something that Ajun did, maybe oh, that when was... he had his head injury. Yeah, when he was knocked out and Ajun tried to go yeah. see him, um, but he couldn't He couldn't get in to see Ingram because of COVID protocols, but he yeah. saw his parents and his wife. Um, and it sounds like he was like, you know, this is such a great owner to have. I'm happy to stay at the club sort of thing. And it's like, well, all right, yeah. let's try and get you a new deal. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, that's a nice sort of nice moment as well. But um, so I, similar. So I've gone three points to KLP as well for pretty much what you said, the free kick. Uh, he delivers the cross, I think, right at the end that gets put back in by Smallwood for um, Sadamanesh to unfortunately miss. A um, couple of moments where he's, you know, busting his gut, tracking back and all that sort of stuff, doing what KLP does. So I think that was, in a difficult game, another str- a strong performance from him. I went two points to Ingram for some of the stage because that, particularly that Something one where he was unsighted and had to drop down real quick and to stop bottom left. I think that's a real that's a really high class save. So I think he did really well to keep us in the game for as long as he did. Um just about single handedly at times. Um and I have given I really struggled with the one point as well. Um finding the third. I'd considered Sadmanesh. Um I considered Slater and then I looked at the goal and um, he was just standing there watching and then I went, oh, scratch him out. And then I looked at someone else and they did something, were doing something lazy. I ended up actually deciding on Smallwood for one point. Um, another busy performance, you know, just sort of goes about his business and makes mostly, mostly smart little decisions. You know, he's the one who got up there in the, in the 95th minute to, to pop that ball back in off um, KLP's cross back into the mixer for Sadamanesh to sort of to um, have a go at. So I think um, I've gone, yeah, KLP, Ingram and Smallwood for one. 
There's a player that's been a bit conspicuous in his absence from our votes recently in um, Mr. George Honeyman. So I'm a bit curious to see how his form ends up over the last two weeks of the season because I think um, he's uh, certainly dropped off the radar a little bit, um, which will be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, look, in off-field news, so we've got the um, – there's a Q&A coming up with Ajun in the next week or so, I think, which um, – they said it sold out within the first minute. I think the tickets were free. Um, I think it was an expression of interest sort of thing. But but still, you know, obviously there was enough people interested to, to book it out um, in under a minute, which was good. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he talks about there. Um, I thought he might talk about um, membership prices and things like that. And it looks like in that recent event with Jim Rodwell, he's talked a bit about you know the utility costs and and the 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 cost of living or, or whatever you want to call it inflationary costs um, and inflationary pressures for the club um, are going to hit pretty hard. Energy bills going up a million pounds for the season or something like that. I think I saw. Um, so he has flagged pretty early on that it doesn't look like there's going to be much movement in membership prices. I think as you said before, I think if if a John had his way, he'd be handing them out for free anyway. But um, you know, at the end of the day, the club does need to have some sort of revenue to cover its expenses. Um, so that that's that's probably the, the, the biggest um, sort of piece of news people would be looking out for, I would I would think, ahead of next season. Um, and then, as you said as well, the West Upper, the, the cost of opening it for games, and, and they're basically saying, look, if there's the demand and if people want to sit there and, and there's enough people buying tickets, then they can open it. But for 200 people to sit up there, it's just not really feasible. So... Um, it does feel like it's it's a really difficult situation for the owners because they're sitting here saying we want to fill the stand, we want we want to fill the stadium, we want to give you everything that you ask for, but there isn't the demand, there isn't the sort of the people um, to meet that uh, you know um, uh, request or, or or ambition of the club. Um, you know, you, you'd sort of expect there's that you know if it was if it was like a oh, I don't know how tread a bit carefully with what I say, but, you know, like a, a, a so-called bigger club, a club with a larger supporter base, um, with that sort of opportunity, you'd be getting a sold-out stadium within a few weeks, I would think. So, look, you know, Rodwell does say, like, with the pandemic and everything like that, um, people have changed their habits. People go to the movies instead or they do other things. So it's, it's luring people back to supporting the club, which is going to be a big task. But... Um, We'll see if they're up for it. Yeah, I think the West Upper thing feels like it's almost like a bit of a catch twenty two. They're like, there's people that are sitting there going, "Well, I'm not going because I like to sit in the West Upper and that's not open." And they're going, mm-hmm. "Well, we can't open it unless you're willing to come." And there's this like yeah. weird sort of like imbalance between like, you know, what people want. And I guess like you, it's right with COVID and everything, and us being everyone being forced to just watch from their living rooms for a season. Um, it's a hard habit to get out of. It's real easy. Like it's real hard to form a habit and it's real easy to break it. Um, So I think uh, like just the, I think they're trying to do the right things, trying to get people back and trying to make it an attractive uh, option for people again. And if, and I think time, I think over time, you know, if we we will, we'll start turning those, um, those turnstiles, uh, you know, over more and more, um like it's one of those things i think we managed to you know we stay up this year that feels like success and then you go into a new season with yeah. the own, new owners from the get-go you know fresh squad new sense of optimism i think that's a really good time that um 
you know, and then obviously I guess it depends on what happens with, you know, memberships and all those sorts of things and whether there is any movement on that, whether they can find a way to, you know, change the financial structuring of, of that for the fans, but who knows. But I think that's yeah, it, yeah. It's going to be. A couple of, a couple of big so, signings, um, you know, a bit of optimism and ambition next season to challenge for promotion. I think, you know, if you start the season off with a few decent wins as well, I think you'd start to see the crowds coming back. I think there is an element of the fact that we're sort of end of the season, not much to play for, that people are just like, oh, it's, you know, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll move on then. Uh, we'll, we'll preview Middlesbrough in a second, but we'll do our second rendition of our uh, new new quiz, Who Am I? Uh, last week, we kind of gave you a bit of a softball with a current player in uh, Tom Eaves. So I'll give you an- another player this week. He's no longer at the club, so it's a little bit more tricky, um, but I would still I'd still think that you'll probably get there in the end. Um, so the first clue, I made 99 league appearances for City and scored three goals. Ninety-nine. Yeah, unlucky. Yeah, I don't know. You're gonna have to give you're gonna give me another one. Yeah. Um, who, who just so, missed out on a hundred? So I, I joined I joined City in 2014 and I was sold in 2017 and my nationality is Scottish. It's not Robbo, is it? It is. I was thinking you've got you've got a. I was thinking you'd have a one in three because I reckon you would have been going between Robbo, Maloney, and well, maybe not even Maloney, but Robbo and Snowgrass. But yeah, I thought I thought once I said Scottish, the next clue where I where I pointed out that he's a left back, I think Scottish left backs are pretty uh, <laughs> pretty rare. I was but, just yeah, trying no, to well, think no. of like, I was just trying. To, I was like, I sort of was like twenty fourteen. I was like, all right, well, that's like just about when I started, and I was like, all right, so who played for a few years but wouldn't have scored many goals? And who was Scott? Like you said, Scottish, and I was like McGregor, and I was like, why would he? Why would he have three goals? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's not right. Um, yeah, right. Well, there you go. So, yeah, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm actually not as bad at this as I thought I would be. This is two <laughs> yeah. from two, two for two, <clears throat> and, and you got them. You got them um, quicker than I thought. I because the next clue was gonna be I played left back, and my shirt number was first twenty six, then three, and I'd expect it. You know, you get it on that one because as soon as you're going Scottish left back. The final one being my initials are AR, which again is sort of the softball clue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, getting it, getting it from the years and the uh, nationality is not too bad. And and y- yeah, I do like I do like leading with the appearances and goals because it makes you think. Because I guess I don't fixate on how many appearances the players necessarily made for us, and even goals, I'd probably struggle to say. But it gives you a good sense of like what ballpark you're looking in, whether it's a defender or a striker or something like yeah. that. But uh, yeah, no, good stuff. Andy Robertson, yeah, twenty fourteen until twenty seventeen. Made ninety nine. It's one short of the triple figures of the cent- yeah. being a centurion for us. Yeah, yeah. Shane, can we just get him back for like an honorary game or something? That's just right. Give him a hundred appearances. If it was, if it was Aussie rules, he makes a hundred appearances. He, we get the father son. So if he has a kid, we just automatically get to sign him. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> um, but all right, we'll, we'll move on then. And we've got the uh, Middlesbrough game coming up this weekend. Um, we picked them 2-0 last time, actually, because that was uh, one of their final games under Warnock, I think it was, uh, but managed by Chris Wilder now. So pretty different proposition, I would say. Um, they've won three of their last five games, and I think they're sitting in fifth in the table, um, 
or might not be anymore after this morning, but they were when I last checked. Um, so yeah, pretty tough game. And you know, even though it's an even though it's an away game, we'll probably struggle in, in this one, even even with our recently good away form. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's one of those tough ones where it's like I just I just don't have much optimism for this game. But I just yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's weird because like basically so for the last I don't know month or two months it's sort of been like you know we want Eves to start because he's the best option we have up there and when he's playing we seem to play better and now we're suddenly without him. Um, but I guess it's really going to be that that question of like who comes in and if mm-hmm. I think if Alea comes in I think I think he I think with with the time and the run in I think he has enough like he'll be i think he'll be able to show something and create something and um, make something happen so i mean that's i'm hopeful that that's the replacement that's brought in i'll be real disappointed if it's force i think he's absolutely yeah. rubbish i'm gonna be honest <laughs> he's done nothing he doesn't look like he just yeah he just doesn't which look is, like he which it's is, one which of those weird ones because yeah because he because he did so well with brentford and he's done well um, previously, it's just one of those ones where just, yeah, it doesn't like seem like he perform, seems to perform okay, you know, at, in, internationally and mm. everything, but just doesn't, just has not really shown anything really for for mine anyway. Um, yeah. So, I yeah, I would really like to see Sardinash get the start, and if Shutters made made the call, then then hopefully that, and then then hopefully that's sort of a bit of a clue about, you know, what's going to happen come come the weekend. So do you say, so Saeed Manesh up top and you were sort of saying before, maybe we play the two up top, maybe we do Lewis Potter and Saeed Manesh up top, which would, I guess, mean, oh, well, I guess that doesn't change too much because I think, I guess, KLP was already playing in that sort of forward position. But um, I guess you keep Ingram and in goal, Fleming and Longman as the, the wing backs, and just keep that same central three. Yeah, it would just become. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't really change that much. It would just become, yeah, like a three. Because he's already sort of playing in that three five two or a five three two or whatever, and it would just be, I guess, yeah, bringing, yeah, just bringing them narrow and closer together. I think, um, allowing them to to roam around and do what they need to do. But I think, uh, yes, it is. It's going to be an interesting game. I think uh, we. We did. We played really well when we played them last time, and I think was that off was that on the back of an international break. I think or something. I think it was. Yeah, or, I think it was. Or, yeah, so or we just sort of came it, back yeah. and or just before. Yeah, and and did pretty well. I think. Um, I think it's a game where we but, scored where it, it like bounced off the post and then in off the back of the keeper's head or something like that. It was for the first oh, goal. Um, it was just sort of that. Remember. It kind of it kind of like broke the game open, and then we got I don't know. Wilkes scored the second with a counter it's i think i think it was that game that i'm thinking of i think we've, we've had a few of those but um yeah i think we played pretty well but obviously yeah with a different manager um would be interesting to see and there's you, you sort of alluded to their form they seem to be playing okay at the moment so in a strong position and another good position on the table so i think like in terms of like a challenge it'll be similar similar level to to what huddersfield were um possibly even they seemed a little bit off if i'm being honest mm. like to with how much they seem to struggle with the players at their disposal against us for long periods struggle to actually like break us down i think um was probably disappointing for them it'll be yeah a tough game 
But I, look, in yeah. saying that, I mean, we, we've performed better against those stronger sides. Like we mm. had the good, the good result against Blackburn when they were up there. We had the good result against Bournemouth and, and even Fulham, you know, yeah. we, we haven't been too poor against. So it, it's one of the sort of counterintuitive ones where you almost think maybe we'll actually perform better. Yeah, and I think I think generally, like, you know, people are saying, I've seen comments about people saying, well, Shotter's record is now like, you know, X you know, wins in Y games or whatever, and that's not good enough. But I think I think what's been different is, you know, with the with how McCann was, and I, you know, like, didn't actually mind McCann, but I think, like, yes, we haven't necessarily been winning all these games under Shota, but I think the ha- you can clearly see improvement in a lot of the games is the way yeah. I've seen it. I think it's, it's quite clear that he is making his mark and that we are improving. Um, there are still obviously aspects to to still work on, but I think it's still really early days. And I think if like fans out there that I don't know whether they're you know tongue in cheeks like you know suggesting that he doesn't have have it or whatever I think, but I feel like it is too early to too early to really make a call on that. And I think, but I honestly think that the signs are that we are moving in the right direction. And come you know with with a full transfer window and all this stuff that's going to come in the off season, I think. I think he's shown enough that he does deserve that to have that uh, full opportunity, you know, for next season. There are some people who are suggesting that he's only got the job because he's Ajun's mate and he should be sacked. Like, you know, that Ajun should realise that it's he's just wasting money by having him there and needs to get in, you know, someone else or whatever. But I don't know. There's plenty of managers who have come in who, like, you never thought would really, like, acclimatise as well as they have. Like, even Silver, like, you know, yeah, came in as, you know, a relative unknown, so to speak, like was doing well in uh, was it Portugal? I think before he came, was it somewhere, somewhere like uh, that. Greece, I think Greece was his pre. Oh no, Ooh. yeah, it was either Portugal or Greece. I know it was at, it was at yeah. Olympiacos for a bit, but yeah, yeah. So he'd come, but yeah. So from like you know a lesser quote unquote competition, um, you know, came in and without any real ex real expectation like there were comments about you know him being you know quite tactically astute and things but there was never really any huge expectation i think like he he exceeded all, everyone's expectations in his time at, at at the club you know almost securing a survival um in the, in the premier league so you know with a couple of really um big and important results in that time um you know the those semi-finals i think against man united in yep. the cup and things like there's some really good strong results um but and i think it's one of those things i think in time uh i'm fairly confident that shutter will will actually will, will get us playing you know decent football i've been as hesitant at times but i think he's still really stay he's 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 convincing me the each game that passes, I think. And I think the, the the good thing for him in some ways is that he joined the club at like a really interesting period where we were oh, look, I mean, I guess it's hard to, it's it's easy to say in hindsight, but it feels like we were already reasonably safe. And yes, he had to get a few important wins to sort of make sure of that. But the bottom three were a pretty poor bottom three. I mean, maybe Derby aside. Um but he's almost had like an entire half a season or two, three months of the season to, to sort of get the players playing where there hasn't been as much pressure on him in terms of results, which is a good thing in the sense that he can 
you know, it's almost like an extended preseason in a way where he's got this whole run in with the, the, the club. He can he can line up which players that he, he wants to keep around, which players he wants to get rid of. He's got this whole sort of uh, uh, chunk of time to kind of get the the, the team playing the, the way he wants before we get into next season where, yeah, there'll be that pressure on results and that, that expectation on results where he'll already be acclimatised. Like he'll have already had that six months at the club getting to know the way that the games work in England. It's like, you know, if Slutsky had come in, or, or, or for example, if, if Silver had stuck around after that relegation and we'd had him in that championship season, you're suddenly going, wow, we've actually got a manager we're pretty comfortable with, we're pretty confident can actually get us going pretty well. And and obviously, you know, Slutsky came in instead. But um, you, you think if Slutsky had had more time, if, he, he, if he'd come in a lot earlier, you think he could have actually done a, a bit better. So, so yeah, I think for me, I mean, the the jury is probably still out a bit on Schotter just because, I mean, I agree that I can see that we're playing better, on, uh, you know, sort of each game, but that the five games in a row at home, um, losing streak, things like that do concern me a bit. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the summer how much we overhaul the squad, how much influence he can then have on on the players that he has um, and then how we start next season. I think, I think sort of, I mean, we're... we're looking a fair bit ahead here. I think probably two, three months into next season, we'll have a pretty good sense of whether he's cut out or not. Yeah. But I think I think at the moment, it's just too hard to say. Mm. I think what's one thing, another thing that I found is quite, been quite good, that he's not been afraid to... Like a lot of new managers would you know, be really, I guess, cautious about like making decisions about what players you wanted to like keep and let go and, and all that sort of stuff. But we've seen like, you know, players recalled from loans, sent out on new loans, you know, Cannon basically told go somewhere if you can get football, like decisions that do affect, you know, your playing squad. And he's made those real early, um, you know, so he knows what he wants is I guess the way that you would look at that. And he knows like what caliber of player he wants within, within his squad. So I think that's something that is a positive, um, you know, in, in my eyes anyway. No, definitely. Um, just to, to wrap things up then, um, a score prediction for this one? Why are you going to do this to me? Um, or a result prediction. <laughs> score prediction is very specific. I, I don't know if I can predict anything. It just feels like it, it, it honestly, it just feels like a lucky dip. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I have no strong feelings either way, but I also can't like, I don't feel comfortable picking a loss draw or a win because I feel like I've got no idea what's going to happen in this game. Yeah, um, no, I'm the same. I'm the same. It's sort of, you know, leading into the discussion. Let's just, I'll just be optimistic and I'll tip a 1-0 win. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to back you on that one. I mean, look, to be honest, going into that Coventry game, we would have been sitting there going, nah, we're, we're no chance in this game. They're flying. We're, we're struggling. And we walk away with a 2-0 win. So um, strange things have happened. Away game seems to be our forte at the moment. You know, top six team seems to be sort of our forte at the moment when they're not at home. So who knows? Um, yeah, no, look, it'd be great to do the double over them, um, dent their promotion chances as well. It's, you know, it's, it's fun to have that sort of influence and shape that top six as well if we can. So um, there's always a bit of motivation. And I, I was just looking at the table. I think I think mathematically, so Barnsley can get to uh, 51 points because they've, oh, sorry, 50 points because they've still got seven games remaining and they're on 29 at the moment. We're on 41. Now I'd assume that they're not going to win their last seven games. So I'd, I'd say that they're probably going to get to about 44, 45 points. If we get one more win and that takes us to 44 points with a, you know, 14 goal, 
favorable goal difference, um, you'd start to be talking about mathematical safety, I think. So that that maybe that last win will come against Cardiff at home and that would be great as well. But the sooner we get it, the sooner we can you know, start to breathe a bit easier um, and hopefully it comes against Middlesbrough. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, but anyway, thank you for joining me for this one, Dan. Not a problem. No worries. And thanks everyone for listening in as always. We'll be back next week to discuss the result of this Middlesbrough game and to talk about the games remaining in the season. But until then, come on City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black. There's no turning back, cause you're out.